What is a cowboy? It's not about hats and horses. Cowboy's about courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And when you put those things together, it spells Christ. And that's what being a true cowboy is all about, riding for the Lord. My name's Kevin Weatherby, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. You just sit back, grab you a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride with the Lord. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I was, uh, I was working sheep outside of Bakersfield, Texas, which if you've ever been to West Texas, they're on, on I-10. You've got Fort Stockton right here, and you've got Ozona right here, and you've got 110 miles and the only thing in that 110 miles is one gas station, and it's called Bakersfield, Texas. And we were uh, out by Bakersfield uh, working on this ranch, and it was a, it was a sheep ranch. And uh, has anybody in here worked sheep? Yeah, Eric's raising his hand. If you've, if you've never worked sheep, I promise you, I'm probably fixing to get lynched for saying this. But any sheep herder can work cattle, but not every cowboy can work sheep, I guarantee you. They get you. You want to you want to test your patience. Go work some sheep and and see what happens. But anyway, so uh, we were gathering these sheep and uh, we gathered them one day. And uh, after we were after we got done working all those sheep, the the boss man said, "Well, I've got some up on the mesa, and you know what a mesa is. It's it's like a big a big mountain with a flat top on it, and." Uh, when you get up there, you don't even realize you're on top of a mountain. I mean, it's as flat as Kansas up there, and it just goes for miles. And so, anyway, we, we got up there uh, that morning or that afternoon and, and saddled up and everything, and, and the, the ranch owner said, you know what, uh, I don't think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and take the truck up there. Uh, Kevin, would you mind uh, leading my horse? And I was on a bronc. And I was like, sure. And, and I knew that there was this one place in order to get up on the mesa. There was one spot... And you had to know like the secret handshake and everything to get up this mesa. It was like going, uh, 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 what's that movie? The Man from Snowy River? Backwards. You know, you, you just went off. I mean, I knew some good cowboys. I'd never been up there before. I knew some good cowboys that refused to ride up it. They would get off and walk up it. I mean, that's how, that's how steep this trail was. And so his granddaughter, um, who had been raised on that ranch, was going to lead us to it because, I mean, it was like a secret cave. You could ride right by it and not know that that was the trail up. And so he said, Kevin, will you lead my horse up? And so I had this horse, and I'm on a bronc, and I'm thinking, I've got to go reverse Snowy River leading a bronc. Sure, this sounds like fun. So anyway, we, we start the long trot up there, and we get going and everything, and, and my dad's with us, and he's riding along, and he goes, I want you to go first because I want to see what happens. <laughs> Are you going to catch me? He goes, nope. <laughs> and so anyway, I ride for about three miles on a bronc that doesn't like another horse behind him, so we long trotted like this <laughs> all the way up, and then we got to the, uh, we got to the little trail, and, and, and we made it up just fine. Um, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't soil myself much going up. Um, it was no big deal. And uh, so we get up there, and, and we gather the sheep, and we, we push them into this pen. And when you have sheep, like, I think they have to do it like twice a day, because that's what it seems like. But uh, you have to drench the sheep. You have to give them some medication and stuff like that. And it kind of looks like the, uh, the stuff you pour on the back of cattle, but you got this big syringe with this gun-looking deal. And there's these long, long alleys that aren't very wide, and they're called crowding alleys. And you just, I mean, you shove as many of these stupid, I mean, sheep as you can. You, you shove them in there, 
and then you shut the gate and you put this little deal on and you got to, uh, you usually put two people in there and one's got the chalk and one's got the, the drench and you just start and they're, pan- they're, they're crammed in there so much they can't really move and the guy with the, with the gun just kind of lifts their head up, shoves a tube down their throat and gives them a, a dose of medicine and then the guy that's helping puts a mark on their head or on their back or whatever just to be sure that you get all of them. And you, you get halfway through it, and that stuff, I think it's called lanolin or something like that, starts getting all over your pants. And it's like, just take a whole bottle of Jergens lotion and, 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 and dump it on your britches and, and do like this. I got in there, and those sheep were, were so cram-packed. Have you ever seen them on the, on the cartoons where they squeeze the banana like that, and it shoots up out of the air? I did that out of my britches. I was in there and <laughs> popped up, fell back down, got my britches. No, that, that didn't happen. Anyway, so I, I got down to the end and, and everything, and man, it's hard because you're wading through these sheep and you're crawling over sheep, and you know, they try to fight you, and after about the fourth pin, I was dog tired, and I looked back, and Dad, uh, Dad said, we've just got a few more, and I don't know if I was relieved that there was just a few more or terrified, because what happens is when you don't fill up that alley, then the sheep can just run from you. And it's ten times harder whenever they've got room to go behind you and everything like that. And so it was going to be about three quarters full. And, and Dad said, I'll tell you what, I'll get in there and I'll, you may have to work the chalk and everything, but I'll keep them you know, pushed up tight for you. And I was like, all right. And so we were doing it. And sure enough, I mean, you can't cover, you can't keep sheep. You know, Dad's like this. I got them. That lasted about four seconds. I, I ain't got them no more. So I'm drenching, I'm, I've got sweat pouring off of me, and I get, finally he just gets up there with me, and so I've got one side, Dad's got the other, and we're drenching, I'll hand him the gun, and he'll hand me the uh, chalk, and we're going through there. And we get down to like the last six, and I mean, it's literally, you know, there's like six sheep between me and the end of the stage right here. And we drench this big old you. And, and I mean, I drench her, and we're just rolling them back behind us, and then we'll scoot up, and we drench another one and roll it back behind us and step forward. And I'm sitting there, and when I say three quarters, that might have been uh, a little bit optimistic. It was more like half, because there was a distance about the length of this stage that we were rolling them behind. And we got right down there towards the end. And I mean, I was just thanking God. I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness we're about about done, because I'm about dead and everything. And all of a sudden... This sheep that had all the room in the world back here just to stand all by herself. Nobody would be in her personal little space. This sheep takes off running and jumps this high and hits me right in the back of the head. Well, there's like, you know, just a few sheep between me and the pen. And so I fall forward and this sheep hits me and rolls on top of me. And so I'm pinned like this with a drenching gun. And this sheep kicks me about 14 times. It like tap dancing on my head. And I mean, it sounded like a gunshot went off when she hit me. And then she's on top of the sheep. I'm on top of the sheep. Sheep are running. Dad's laughing. <laughs> I'm mad. I wish I could have squirted out like that banana, but nothing happened. I was pinned with a sheep on top of me and everything like that. And finally, we got her off and got her sent back and everything. And uh, Dad said, are you okay? I was like, you were laughing. He's like, well, I'm checking to see if you're okay now. Because that's what cowboys do. They laugh first. And, Whoa, by the way, are you okay? He said, man, that sounded like a gunshot went off. I said, that was the back of my head. He said, I quit your belly ache. Get done. You let a sheep pass. I said, good grief. The sheep wouldn't have been able to get a run and start at me if the pen would have been full. 
things don't work right when you don't do things the way that they're supposed to be done. The crowd now, Lee, is supposed to have a crowd in it. That day it didn't. Last week we talked about the Trinity blueprint. What do I mean by the Trinity? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Where God is the Father, Jesus is the Son. Jesus submits only to the will of God, or another way of putting that, He willfully follows where God leads. And then the Holy Spirit willfully follows where Jesus leads and where God leads. In ranching terms, we can look at that as the cowboy is the head of the ranch. He has a horse that follows him wherever he goes or wherever he tells it to go. And then you have the cattle that should go where the horse tells it to go and should go where the cowboy tells it to go. That is a blueprint. We talked about how, uh, how our hearts and our bodies and our minds, that blueprint, if you want to be a healthy individual, that doesn't mean you can bench press 5,000 pounds because I know people that are very in shape that are wrecks emotionally, that they're wrecks spiritually. But our heart needs to follow God. That is, the, that is the top. And I don't mean this in a, in a hierarchy type thing. But our heart needs to follow God. And then our mind needs to dwell on what God tells us through our heart. And then our bodies need to follow where our mind goes and where, God, or where our heart leads us. The Trinity blueprint. What does all of this mean? The Trinity blueprint for the church, because that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm not talking about this fairgrounds building. I'm talking about the fellowship of the body of believers. Because unlike what is said in today's day and age, most people think of the church as a building down there on the corner. That is not the church. The church is the group and the body of believers that have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and them put all together is the church. We don't have a church here and over there on, on Main Street. They're just, that church, that group of believers is meeting somewhere else, but we're all one. Christ is the cowboy of our church. He is the head of the church. We have been called, the people of the church have been called the bridegroom of Christ. Christ is the groom. The church, the believers, are the bridegroom. Christ is the cowboy on our ranch. Everything does what he wants it to do. Christ is the cowboy. Well, the church leadership is the horse because the church leadership should only be doing what God tells them to do, not what other people say should be done. So you've got Christ as the cowboy, the church leadership is the horse, and the congregation is the cattle. The congregation, y'all, should willfully follow where church leadership takes you, and church leadership should only be following what God says to do. What does all of this mean? Jesus is the head of the church. The pastor willfully follows Jesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Now, I'll, I'll bring you back to Acts chapter 4 in just a minute. The pastor willfully follows Jesus. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says, Be careful for yourselves and for all the people God has given you. The Holy Spirit gave you the work of caring for this flock. You must be shepherds to the church of God, the people he bought with his own blood. I've got an enormous responsibility, and our board of directors has an enormous responsibility to follow where God leads. The congregation willfully follows the church leadership and Jesus, the head, of the, the head of the church. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey your leaders. Be willing to do what they say. They are responsible for your spiritual welfare, so they are always watching to protect you. Obey them so that their work will give them joy, not grief. It won't help you to make it hard on church leadership. Sometimes the church gets this backwards. The deacon board, which we don't have, but in other churches, and I think most people in here have been to another church, whether you call it elder board or deacon board or, or whatever, 
when this blueprint for the way church is supposed to be done, Christ is the head of the church, the, the leadership follows God and God alone, and then the congregation follows that pastor who is following God, and the congregation also follows the will of God in their own lives. When you get this backwards, sometimes the deacon board becomes the head of the church instead of Jesus Christ. And that is a recipe for disaster whenever the deacon board starts telling everybody what to do instead of God telling everybody what to do. The pastor willfully follows the will of the congregation instead of Christ. Or the pastor willfully follows the will of a deacon board or an elder board instead of what God is telling him to do. And I have experienced this firsthand. I had an elder at my last church one time that came up and started telling me what I was supposed to preach on and what I was going to say and everything like that. And I smiled at him and I started laughing. And he goes, I don't think this is very funny. And I said, well, what you're saying, uh, the, the funny part about it is, you, you thought I worked for you. I said, I don't work for you, fella. I do what God tells me to do. Now, we can be, we can join together, and I'll listen to you. But if you think that you're going to come and tell me what to preach on and what to say, you've got things backwards. Sometimes the church gets it backwards. The deacon board becomes the head of the church instead of Jesus. Or the pastor willfully follows the will of the congregation. They start doing tickling ears, and the Bible warns us about that, doesn't it? I'm not up here just to make y'all feel good. I'm here to tell you the truth, and I'm here to show you the blueprint that God has revealed through His Word so that your lives may be abundant, because that's what Jesus says. I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. That's what I want for y'all. I don't want to get up here just so you'll like me. I want up here so that you will come to know the love of Jesus Christ and so that you will, will have an abundant life. Because if you don't need abundant life, we need to talk. I think we could all use a big dose of abundance. In Acts chapter 4, verse 42, Luke shows us how this blueprint is supposed to be followed. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 42. It says, They, being the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let me read that one more time. The church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Let's put that in a little simpler terms. The first thing that the, uh, the blueprint for how to do church is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that we, we've all got to start wearing suspenders and tucking our pants in our boots? No, that's not what that means. It says that the people listened to what the preacher had to say. Okay? They just listened. They took it home. It says they were devoted, not to the men, but to their teaching. Problems occur when people devote themselves to men instead of their teaching. There was a, a very prominent cowboy church when cowboy churches wasn't very prominent in Stanton, Texas, which is just about all oh, 15 miles uh, outside of Midland, Texas. And, I mean, it was a huge church, and the, the preacher was really, really, really popular and everything like that. And if I'm not mistaken, he died in Colorado in a plane crash. He owned his own plane, and he crashed, and he was killed. And if that wasn't tragedy enough, when the pastor died, the church fell apart. They no longer met anymore. Why? Because I believe, and I'm not criticizing whatsoever, I'm warning that the people became devoted to the preacher instead of his teachings because I guarantee you that that pastor's will, if he could have come back and talked to that congregation, would have been this. Y'all keep going. 
It had nothing to do with me. It had to do with y'all. It had to be doing the will of God. If something ever happens to me, y'all keep this going and y'all take it 6,000 miles further than I could have ever taken it. Don't devote yourselves to me or any other preacher. Devote yourselves to God. But listen to what a pastor has to tell you to do. He's going to show you that it's about following God, not about following Him. God talks right through pastors and those with the heart and the will to listen. Listen to preachers who are willing to give their lives to the church. I don't care if it's in here. I'm not, t- I'm not up here saying that you have, to, you have to listen to me. You need to listen to me. But I'm not talking just to hear myself talk. I'm trying to tell you all what God has told me. I'm trying to pass it along of lessons that I've learned. Listen to preachers who are willing to give their lives to the church. In 1 Timothy 5.12, I am talking about every pastor out there that is following God whenever I say this. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 12, it says this, Church leaders who do their job well deserve to be honored, respected, and paid twice as much, especially if they work hard at preaching and teaching. Okay, now don't start focusing on that paid twice as much, okay? Because I'm not asking for a raise or anything like that. But the Bible says that me and Sue and Eva and Barry, as being leaders of this church, are going to be judged twice as hard as everybody else. We've got an enormous responsibility. And what do we ask of that? We ask you to follow. And sometimes that trail may be like a reverse from Snowy River. And you'll think, I can't do it. But you can. If you will follow where we lead you, we will take you places that you've never dreamed possible. Why? Because God is taking us. Everyone hung out and visited with each other. That's the second thing in Acts chapter 4, verse 42. I'm sorry. I said Acts chapter 4, verse 42, didn't I? It's Acts chapter 2. Sorry. I was just, why didn't somebody say something? <laughs> oh, whatever. This is cowboy church. I was actually preaching out of Hebrews one time, and I said, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 15. Well, there's only like 13 chapters in Hebrew. Because I did what I did in my notes, and I made, a, I made a, a mistake in there. And this cowboy that now lives in Meeker, Colorado, he goes, hey, dummy, there's only 13 chapters. Remember 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 12. Not really. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Sorry. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Fellowship is a big fancy church word for everyone hung out and visited with each other. You know what? People ask me all the time, and and, and we talked about it at dinner with Sam Garner. He's like, how do you do your church service? I mean, do you come in and do you have have everybody sit down and then y'all have the organ play and you sing three hymns and then you pass an offering plate and then you have everybody stand up and shake hands with people. Hey, how are you doing? God bless your brother. I was like, no, we don't do none of that. He said, then what do you do? I said, we put a bunch of coffee outside and everybody drinks coffee and gets wired up like squirrels and then we ask them to sit down. Right? Church doesn't start when Jared gets up here. Church, our fellowship starts when y'all walk through the door and get you a cup of coffee, doesn't it? Don't y'all enjoy just standing back there and just visiting? How many people have been here after church for like two and a half hours where people are just visiting? Isn't it awesome? Has anybody ever been in a church stampede at a regular church where the preacher says amen and four kids get killed going out the back door? That's what we're doing. See, we, 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 have, we have church, and then we have a sermon, and then we have church afterwards. I encourage you, stick around. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I've seen some crazy... We, we, kids pushing each other in those rolly chairs, flipping over and crashing. and Get off the rafters! And that's the cowboys, not the kids. 
<laughs> Coffee. That's what it does. Church doesn't start when Jared gets up here. Church starts whenever you walk through the door and you see that friend of yours or you see that other guy that you haven't met yet and you walk up and shake his hand and go, man, I don't know you. I'm sorry I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. It's when you hug an old friend that you didn't know, believe that they were in cowboy church. We got some of those here. I've been told. Of course, I didn't know any of you when I started. And I remember when a guy told me one time, he said, God's doing miracles in your church. I was like, why? He said, if you'd have told me, oh, so-and-so was in church, he said, I'd have never believed it. But that's the power of God. It's awesome. We are supposed to care for each other, and we can't care for each other if we don't talk to each That's what fellowship is. It's not a hall, right? Fellowship hall. <sighs> okay. So the first thing they did is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And then they had fellowship. They hung out and drank coffee. I hope they had coffee. The third thing they did is they ate together and had the Lord's Supper together. That's what it says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And to the breaking of bread. A week and a half ago, we had the distinct pleasure, and Victoria's here today, we had the distinct pleasure of ordaining Barry Ward as a minister for Save the Cowboys so that when he goes out and spreads the gospel while he's out there playing in cowboy churches and everything, that we agree as a fellowship of body of believers that he has been set apart because that's what ordained means. It doesn't mean that we had a meeting and signed a piece of paper. It means that we all acknowledge through prayer that Barry has been set apart. But you know what one of the great, if that wasn't a miracle enough, you know what was awesome? is when me and Christy and Eva and Phil and Barry and Victoria had the Lord's Supper in our living room. You want to talk about powerful. That was powerful. The Lord's Supper is powerful anyway, but it's different whenever it's in a, in a congregation and it's kind of part of a ceremony versus the other way around. They ate together and had the Lord's Supper together. Who do you invite to eat at your house? Have you invited anybody over? Invite one of these guys sitting behind you, in front of you, beside you. Invite them over for supper. Open up your home. Say a prayer before you eat. You don't have to have the little communion cups with wine. Some of you might have beer, but you don't have to have grape juice and little crackers to observe the Lord's Supper. Jesus did it some bread. And the last thing they did is they prayed together. The church that prays together stays together. There's nothing more powerful here on earth than a church that prays together. Where two or more gather, there I am also. Don't think that, that you have to come to Sunday morning to experience church. Whenever you talk to a fellow believer, that is church. How do we know if we're following the blueprint? It continues on in, in 43 through 46. And I'm just going to run through those right quick. Verse 43 says, wonders and miracles will happen. There have been miracles and wonders here. You've witnessed some of those miracles in a, in a horse trough. Right, Slim? Amen. You're going to see another miracle next week whenever we dunk somebody else. Your lives are being changed. You've told me about them. Continue to do that. There's miracles and wonders going on in this fellowship of believers. My life has been changed since coming to Rado. To y'all, God, is your life being changed? In verse 44, it says they work together. There was no jockeying for status or position. They didn't have, a pro they didn't have the problem of too many chiefs and not enough Indians. They were willing to follow. There was no jealousy or status clicks. In verse 45, I'm paraphrasing, it says people gave what God had given them. The people gave their time, not because they had to, but because they wanted to. It wasn't theirs, it was God's on loan. And they gave it back. They gave their money, not because they had to, because they wanted to, because it came from God in the first place. They gave their possessions, not because they had to, but because they wanted to, because it wasn't theirs to begin with. It came from God. 
In verse 46, they went to church together every day. Church can be at work, at home, out in the pasture, at school, at the cafe. It doesn't matter. Where two or more gathered, there I am also. And they weren't somebody on Sunday that they wasn't going to be on Monday. That's what I want for y'all. That's what I want for me. I've worked with a number of you out there in the pasture, gathering, branding, working. I would hope that I am no different out there in the pasture than I am whenever I'm standing up here. And the last part of verse 47 says this, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord's doing that here. Adding to our numbers each day those that are being saved. Are you, if you were to pass away, where would you go? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Remember that pen of sheep? It didn't work right because it wasn't full. Let's get this pen, because that's what it is. Let's get this pen filled up, and let's share what God has given us, and let's go get some more. And as far as that crazy sheep that attacked me, her poor brain had got turned sideways in her head for a moment. I fixed it with a surgical procedure administered with a boot. <laughs> and I still know that procedure. Thanks for riding with us today. Our prayer is that God reached out and touched your heart and your guts. This is Kevin Weatherby again, and I'd like to invite you to attend one of our cowboy services in person. You just saddle up and ride on down to Kiowa, Colorado, and out to the Elbert County Fairgrounds every Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry, you can mosey on by www.savethecowboy.com. We hope to see you real soon. Save the Cowboy is brought to you by Barry Ward at barrywardmusic.com. Tumbleweed Hay, you can reach them at 303-324-8217. If you're considering a new, expanded, or remodeled facility, go to www.westernllc.net to discover the Western difference. 303-407-3995 and the fine folks at Look East Realty. 303-644-4444. Hey, we want to hear what you have to say. It doesn't matter if you have a cowboy story, a testimony, or even a prayer request. Y'all just go to savethecowboy.com and click on the Contact Us page and we'll get right back to you. Until next time, this is Pastor Kevin Weatherby. We'll see you again real soon.